Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks for listening. Fun show today. We've got Peter Schrager from NFL Network and Good Morning Football, and he's got a new pod with Spotify with Sean McVay that he comes on to discuss and uh, we get into some, you know, a lot of Aaron Rodgers stuff and then some fun Memorial Day weekend topics and just uh, basically, you know, shoot it with Schrager, who's always fun. And then following Peter Schrager, we have Daniel Rappaport from Golf Digest. Daniel covers all things Tiger for Golf Digest. And I wanted to get someone on to talk about the Brooks, Kepka, Bryson, DeChambeau feud because I love it and can't get enough of it. And uh, Daniel shed some good light on everything there. He's also a former SI colleague and a friend. So um, he did a nice job. And uh, if you're into the Brooks Kepka Shembo feud, very good stuff there from Daniel. Uh, before we get to Schrager and Rappaport, last week, Andrew Marshan from the New York Post was on the pod to discuss a variety of sports media news topics. And we also had Bill Carter. I've gotten tremendous response on the Bill Carter interview, which makes me very happy. Bill is an executive producer for a CNN docu-series that's currently airing now. Four episodes done, two left on the history of late-night television. And we got into uh, a good discussion on, on late-night TV there with Bill Carter and tremendous feedback on Twitter, at least, from... Uh, people who listened and enjoyed the interviews. That was last week's If You Missed It. And two weeks ago, we had Rich Eisen and Alan Sepinwall, If You Missed It. Three weeks ago, Ryan Rosillo, Brian Baumgartner. So you can go into the archives, listen to all those podcasts, and please subscribe to the SI Media Podcast as well. All right, here we go. Peter Schrager, Daniel Rappaport on this week's episode of the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, regular on the pod, 
one of the best guys in the business from Good Morning Football and a new podcast for The Ringer called Flying Coach with Sean McVay of the Rams, Peter Schrager. Schrags, how are you? What's up, Jimmy? It's been a while. I love hearing your voice. You seem nice like you're in say. great spirits. Saw you thirsty mm. tweeting at Tom Brady, asking him to come on as a guest. So we're back to normal. I like how people think that there's like, like, listen, do I want Tom Brady on my pocket? Absolutely. When I send that tweet, do I think there's even a zero point zero 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 one percent that forget response that he sees it? No. Like the, you know. Can we relax? It's just no, well, having fun. God forbid you have fun. God forbid. I like that you put yourself out there. Most of these podcasts have an entire booking department that's working because this guy's got a junket and we're going to maybe get you five minutes with this player. And no, it was, you, it was you meant more as a joke because I, I, I give Brady tremendous amount of credit that he would respond to someone's tweet and show up to be a panelist for some crypto, something I don't know about, you know, like that's great. I, I think that so I was, it was sort of like a mocking, but in a, you know, paying homage to the people who did that. Like, that was impressive. I didn't Can think I Tom Brady something? was going to respond. Like, he's not even going to see this tweet. So forget I don't about think, it. I don't you know. think it's crazy that he does respond. Brady no, is so much. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I had dealt with Brady a little bit over the first 20 years of his career. Then his final year in New England, I did a play a Saturday night game. I was a sideline reporter. Uh, Patriots versus Bills, and we did a production meeting, spent an hour with Brady, and he was awesome. Then he goes to Tampa Bay, and I got to interview him again, and he was even better. And everyone in Tampa Bay is like, no, no, no. it's not just that he's like this great leader, and he's just like, it's Tom Brady. Like, he's cool as shit, too. Like, everyone right. says it, that he's the man. So I feel like he was under wraps for a little bit in New England, and Absolutely. now this is like his true self. And he's responding to crypto people on Twitter. I love it. Absolutely. Now, wait. So there's a lot there. Um, well, number one, has he ever been on Good Morning Football? No. I'll tell you what. That's what, a bad I, job by Tom. He's got to get on that show. No. What, I, what we did was after the Super Bowl, he wins the Super Bowl. He goes on this crazy boat parade. Right. And obviously he's had a few drinks and you'd think that he'd be like so embarrassed or that he wouldn't want to do any media. I got asked to to interview him for something called NFL on location, which is like a off branch of the NFL and certain people uh, could sign up and then they would kind of be able to listen to a moderated panel discussion. And it was supposed to be with the Super Bowl MVP with whoever it was. And it was agreed upon long before it happened. Well, it turns out it's Brady. I'm like, well, that's not happening. Brady did it. He did it 24 hours after drunkenly throwing. I'm not surprised. And he was cool and he was normal. And like, Jimmy, he lives in New York City in the offseason. Like, he's a good dude. He's cool. I just feel like we didn't get that side of him the last 10 years while he was in New England. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I've i told this story before, but I interviewed him once many years ago at, like, the peak of Hot Clicks. It wasn't for a podcast. And it was in person. And, like, if I go through all the people I've interviewed over the years, like, he's top five in terms of, like, the nicest, most engaged, you know, it was it was shocking to me because he doesn't really need to be that way. So, and I I agree with you totally that you know away from New England and in Tampa now he can be a little more loose. I think we've seen it too. Um, do you think he'd be a good when he's done with you know Great. football in Great. you know twenty more years? Studio game analyst, like, what do you think? Where, like, where, what should Tom do? Studio, I think yeah. he'd be great. I Me think too. he would give us insights in the moment at these games and give you reactions, and it would be fun. And 
you know, the game analyst role, um, I think he'd be insightful and I think he'd be obviously good. And we know the greats at that thing, but the studio thing to have his insights at a table amongst other ex players where he could tell stories and have a little more wiggle room to kind of go down the memory lane stuff. I, I think he, I think Brady would be outstanding on one of these shows. And, you know, I I don't want to criticize the guys who have been hired in recent years, but like we did flips for Drew Brees joining NBC. I'm very curious. I don't, I don't know what we're getting from Drew Brees because in all the years that Drew Brees has been a pro, he's one of the greatest, most beloved players, but he certainly isn't someone to show a ton of um, unfiltered personality, you know? So yes, they got the biggest name in Drew Brees, but I I almost, and he's never done a game. Well, I'm also more excited maybe to hear from Greg Olson, who I know, is actually really loosey goosey and tells stories and goes down that road. I don't know if Drew Brees is going to play it straight or actually give us the unfiltered NFL, which is what I crave. See, one of the reasons why Schrager and I became good friends is because one of the things we have in common is our love of Chris Russo. And you just dropped a loosey goosey without even, you know, it's like that's second that's, nature. That's trademark Chris Russo, right? Second there. nature, yeah. dude. I go down that road. I'll, I'll, I'll use terms that Francesa and Russo used to use as if it's like regular yeah. vernacular. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to see Brady in the booth. Um, in where are we here? Let's say we're in June, June, July, August, September. Four months from now, week one is Aaron Rodgers the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers? I don't think so. As of right now, I just I, I don't have any information from him, and we do communicate. I'll be transparent. I talked to Rogers, not to name drop, just so that you know, like we do have a relationship, but I haven't spoken to him about this stuff. And have you spoken to him me. while he's in Hawaii? I have not. That's what I'm saying. Do we know how his trip is going? Does he know he's all over TMZ and everywhere? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, he knows. Um, but, yeah. um, uh, you know, he's a regular on our show, Good Morning Football. Um, he likes our show. He's been very, <laughs> very sure, very certain to let us know that and let others know that, that he prefers coming on our shows as opposed to other networks. And a lot of that is because we let him just talk and we're not talking, we're not, we're not really talking uh, as much critical, you know, what, why didn't you do that? Whatever it is. Long story short, he is in such a Zen like mode right now. He is so happy right now. He is so peaceful right now. He is so living his best life. And in that mode, if even in that mode, you get him on Kenny Maine and he can't say I'm coming back to the Packers and he can't say I'd be willing to listen to them. And he can't say, don't worry, Packers fans. You don't have to have this sleepless off season. I'll be there. And that tells me that they're really far off right now. And they're still far off. The amount of times he used the word people and persons has been dissected a million times, but just the fact that he gave the interview and Kenny Mayne did a great job with it, I thought, because at first it seemed like Rodgers didn't want to go down any of these roads, but then he did because he was steered that way. And credit to Kenny Mayne, because a lot of other lesser skilled interviewers would have let Rodgers dictate what was going to be asked and how that was done, just being so overwhelmed that he even gave him the interview. Um, but the fact that he is in such a Zen-like kumbaya mode and still can't give an inch to the fans and still can't give an inch to the Packers saying, let's wait and see, tells me that he... He has thought this through, and it might not just be over this offseason. It might be a couple of years in the making. Now, okay, so week one in September, you, so you think there's a legitimate chance he's not the quarterback of the Packers. So the next question is, do you think he's a starting quarterback for another team, or do you think he's enjoying retirement? 
how much are the Packers going to dig their heels in? That's the question because they own his rights. And I know you say, well, no team should own a player's rights. Guess what? It's sports. It's business. I don't know what to tell you. Like they're not going to just let him walk and they're certainly not going to trade him for 60 cents on the dollar. So do the Broncos or the Raiders make some crazy deal and they have to consider it? I don't think they would even listen until they know for sure that this guy is 100% not coming back. And I've spoken to Matt LaFleur, and he's the head coach. And, like, we talked to LaFleur off the record, on the record. You could see it in his eyes. It's just like, oh, my gosh, like, please, please, please find a way to get him back because he knows this guy is so special. He's such a good quarterback. And Rodgers went out of his way to say it's not the coaches. It's right. not Jordan Love. So it's, I, I don't want you upstairs. to – So, but – if the Packers, it seems like they're not going to, it seems like his beef is with the GM. It seems like they're not going to fire the GM. But if they, let's say they did fire the GM, hypothetically, he just comes back like nothing happened. I mean, I, don't know. I, mean the thing. I don't think, I don't think they're going to even consider going down that road. And, you know, the two names are Mark Murphy and Brian Gutenkunst. And right. what Rogers said to Kenny Main, which is really interesting, was like, talking about people and philosophy. And then he goes down the history books and he's like Curly Lambeau and Brett Favre and the minister of defense and Mike Holmgren. And the feeling I get is that there are 32 teams in the NFL. 31 of them operate one way. One one team is in a small town in Wisconsin that has no other professional sports. It doesn't have an owner. It's the Packers. So when he starts talking about corporations and corporate interests, it almost feels like he's really turned off by the way that that small market team has tried to become this conglomerate or this corporation or this business. And truth of the matter is the communication before drafting Jordan Love wasn't as good as it should have been to someone who they cherish as much. Now, the other side can argue and say, where the hell, like, we have to run by our player decisions by Aaron Rodgers. Well, you know, I, I guess we didn't know that going in or whatever it is. Well, there's, but there's another side too. There's this is, which is the side I'm on. They should have told them they were drafting Jordan love. They screwed up. They did a bad job. You have to get over it now. Like grow up and get over it now. Yeah. I mean, like they drafted him. What are you going to do? I mean, yeah. I mean, you could go retire because they drafted now, but he also, he makes it clear. It's not about Jordan. You know, like he said, it was about people, character, culture, which, I mean, I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. I'm not smart enough. What to it means it. is I'm a human being. I'm your, I'm your best player. I'm the face of the franchise. Give me a heads up. That you're you're going to have this. a hard time convincing fans that he's being treated that horribly. Jimmy, it's a hard deal because he makes $37 million and he's out in Hawaii with Shane well, Shaleen Woodley on a, on a ukulele. So am I crying tears for Aaron Rodgers? Of course not. But if you work for any company... And a lot of companies would say, I don't know what company you work for. You'd like to think the communication is better, but maybe right, Rogers but- isn't as aware as how corporate America actually works, where you can be replaced and they can do things. That well, do we, sense. okay. So do we know this? do we know if, has he gone to the people he has issues with in the front office and said, we need to make the communication better. And then they either said no, or they did not make an effort to make the communication better. Cause if you think the communication needs to be better and your answer is, well, I'm not going to play for you anymore without an attempt to make the communication better. Then it seems a little weird to me. They've made several overtures to try to make this right. And he is, he, I don't want to use the word stubborn, but he is dug in, dude. 
Yeah, so I had, I think it was Eisen a couple of weeks ago on the pod, and he was like, there is a zero, he, he was adamant, zero chance Rodgers retires. And I was like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I don't know how you can say that when you see how quirky Aaron Rodgers is. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he retired. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily for the Jeopardy job. I don't think he's getting. No, the Jeopardy thing has nothing to do with this. I don't People, think it is either. Yeah. Like that'd be that'd be another. But it's not he leaving. stated a, he stated many times on your show included yeah. Good Morning Football that he can do it in the off season. This has nothing to do with Jeopardy. They tape the whole year in forty days. Look, anything Rogers does is possible. Uh, does that make sense? Like you know, Rich Rich might have insight with with Rogers that he's a competitor and he doesn't want to end it this way and all those things, but like. Yeah. Rogers the last week has been in Hawaii with his fiance, with Miles Teller, with his wife. Is it bad that there. I don't know who Miles Teller is? By the oh, way, you should. He's good. Yeah, I didn't know who you he didn't was. Didn't see Whiplash. Before. Whiplash was great. No, sorry. Great. J J K Simpson. That's J K Simmons. That's his name. The other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Anyway, they're all out there, um, and Rogers is singing Taylor Swift, and he's doing karaoke, and it's like I don't know. If it's cringeworthy to some, but to others, it'd be like, that guy looks like he's enjoying himself. Like, I don't think it's cringeworthy at all. And I think he should enjoy himself. My only issue is I just like, it seems weird to me that he has these issues with these people. And now we're in like a state, like if you, if your issue, if he's only returning, if those guys are fired, then you got to determine whether that's going to happen or not. I mean, I know there's a lot of time here to patch things up, but Go live your life, do what you want. If you, but if your condition is you're only going back if that guy's fired, you're putting everyone in there in a tough spot. I mean, whether the package is going to fire their GM, you know, in June and move on, and what does he get to pick the next? What if he doesn't like the next GM, he gets to pick it. I mean, there's a lot of layers there. Yeah, or if you fire the GM, what are you telling every other employee in that building? We went 26 and six, but I'm sorry, this is just what it is. Like. Well, that's, yeah. That's, you know, you're not fired for cause. You're fired because hmm. another person does. I don't know. It's really yeah. hard because the alternative to that is, well, Rogers is the only person that actually matters in that building. So figure it out. Um, Michael Jordan was able to dictate a lot of things when he was playing. Rogers is the equivalent in the NFL where he's a three-time MVP. That's where I have a huge, see that I don't buy for Why? one. Why don't you think, I mean, this guy is unbelievable. The Michael, no, he's not the Michael Jordan of the NFL. I don't buy that for, I, to me, that's an egregious statement. No, Michael Jordan to the Chicago Bulls. That's exactly what Aaron Rodgers is to the Green Bay Packers. Oh, the Packers. But he does, Aaron Rodgers does not have the cachet that Michael Jordan had. Tom Brady does. But not Aaron Rodgers. You're talking global marketing icon and all that stuff, and that's fine. I'm talking about influence and 16 years in an organization where if his voice was to be heard, I think I wouldn't be shocked if he was able to wield some power, but he hasn't, and they haven't given him that opportunity. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about a bunch of fun stuff. <laughs> that was fun. Um, yeah, that was fun. That was good. Um, but I want, I'll, I want you to talk about the pod. So – yeah, I know you're friends with McVay. You were on the Rams before they were the, you know, when people didn't know they were going to be good. Uh, and they're one of the more fascinating teams this year now with Stafford mm-hmm. in and Goff out. Uh, but what what do you discuss on this podcast? All right. Exactly? So because coaches are usually buttoned up. I don't think we'll on, see Bill Belichick hosting a podcast with Nate Barlison anytime soon. Well, that's exactly the point, and I get uh, super excited about it because I've known McVay since 2011. Right? Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Okay. 
Okay. When he, when he was with the Redskins as their assistant tight ends coach, we were both at the senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama, and no one knew who the hell he was. He was 27 years old. I was probably 30 at the time. And I didn't know anybody in Mobile, Alabama. I was sent there by Fox to do the, to do the senior bowl, to cover it for five days in Mobile. Here comes this guy in a disgusting bar with smoke everywhere. A guy who isn't 60 years old, isn't 50 years old and isn't, talking about, you know, the three, four scheme and, and hip swivel. It was a normal guy. I'm like, who are you? We linked up right away, exchanged information. He starts climbing the ladder a little bit in Washington. He's hilarious. He's cool. And I'm like, wait a second. This is a guy who, though younger, is someone that I would potentially be friends with in real life and actually is nice and cool. So we keep in touch. And then he has his breakout season with Washington, gets the Rams job, and he's never changed. We talk – Jimmy, probably daily, I would say, just exchange of And yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit biased towards him, but I keep my journalistic integrity, whatever. So last year, Bill Simmons has a podcast called Flying Coach. And it's with Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr. And I listened oh, to it and okay. it, it was good. It was yeah. cool. Like it was like, you never hear current coaches. But there was no traditional host. It was just the two of them? Just the two of them. That's interesting. Okay. All right. Steve Kerr had media background, and and that's kind of right. what it was. So he right, he did the NBA, yeah. And it was an important summer because it was a summer of of uh, you know social activism and a summer where we're in a pandemic. And like to hear leadership from those two was incredible. And I listened to the whole thing, and McVeigh listened to the whole thing, and we talked about it. And he was like, "We should do something like that." I go, "Why don't we do that?" So, so this was Sean McVay's idea. Yes, we have been that, talking. That is, that is the new breed of NFL head coach right no, there. No, it's not the new breed. It is the unique breed. He is one in a million, dude. There Although Carroll no did it too, so I guess, you know. Who else did it? Carol, like you said, Carol, Carol did yeah. it, and he's, a, he's an older guy. So. Sean wants to be the co-host, though, and he's like, I'll do it with you, and we'll bring on all the other coaches. And his whole thing is, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. When I get in front of that podium and I'm looking out at 14 reporters, I don't want to say anything and I don't care to really say anything. There's no win for me to say anything. And there's, right. it, it, it's not going to be the place for me to be myself. But when I'm on the phone with you or we talk together, I always feel a little bit looser. So I was like, well, who, what do you want to do? He's like, well, why don't we bring on other coaches, other personalities, people from the sports media world at some point, because he wants to get my world in a little bit. And let's just have conversations like we normally would. I go, well, easier said than done. You're going to be all, uh, you know, scared to touch the third rail on this topic and you won't talk about this topic. He's like, I don't think that's the case. He's like, I'm looking to do it. He's got enough power within the Rams organization where he's not worried that someone above him is going to be like, now, Sean, you know, don't speak out about that. He's the man. So we got this podcast. I I spoke to Bill Simmons. He was like, I love it. Let's do it. I've always wanted to do something with Simmons and collaborate um the first two episodes jimmy they're up they're awesome the first one is just like you and me doing a podcast except it's the head coach of the rams and we talk about our nights going out in new york city a couple years ago which were crazy we talk about how he got his start he tells stories uh we talk about the super bowl experience and all his regrets about how that whole thing went down and how he handled the week leading up to which i find fascinating he's a 30 year old coach Everyone wants to see him lose because he's been given everything and he's had this great success and he hasn't paid his dues. And the Super Bowl's in his hometown and all his buddies from high school who are like, you know, in their 20s and 30s are like, let's go out, let's celebrate. And he's like, no, I'm going to lock myself in a room and just study film for a week. 
And then he goes out against Belichick and they get their butts whooped. And he says his biggest regret is not enjoying it, not savoring it, not experiencing anything of that week. Cause who knows if he'll ever get back again. Right. I mean, vulnerable stuff. So then the yeah. second episode, it's like, who should we have on? He's like, how about we get on Matt LaFleur who I've known for many years. I'm like, all right, that's interesting. The Rogers stuff. He goes, how about we bring on LaFleur and we bring on Robert Sala together because they were roommates in 2004 at Central Michigan. So wait, does LaFleur talk about Rodgers? Yes. Well, that's all you need to tell people to get them yes, to listen. It's LaFleur on Rodgers. Yeah. And then it's Robert Sala, who's the new coach of the Jets, talking about how they drafted Zach Wilson and why Zach Wilson was the better prospect than Trey Lance. Like, So there's that stuff. But then it's story time. Right. You know, Sala and, and LaFleur have known each other since 2004. So you're like, all right, what does that mean? They made $9,000 a year as graduate assistants at Central Michigan, and they lived in a – studio apartment together and now 15 years later they're both nfl head coaches making millions and they've got funny stories and they got good stories and i i think this is for football fans in a way that you'll never see in other podcasts because jimmy gosh i know and you and i have texted about this anybody who wakes up in a bed in the morning now has a has a podcast and i don't listen to 99 percent of them because i don't want to hear celebrity x celebrity y interviewed by a stranger and I certainly don't want to hear two people I don't care about talking. I don't know if you care about me and Sean. I don't know if you find us interesting, but we've got stories. And McVeigh is a natural talent at this, man. He's really interesting. So I would just say, everyone, give a listen to it. Try it out. I don't promote much. I'm never out there promotional-wise. And I feel really proud of this product. Uh, and Simmons doesn't put his name on it unless he thinks it's pretty good. So I've been offered a million podcasts before. I always say no because it seems like a lot of work that I know you put into it and I just don't have the promotional arm in me to, to really do it. This one I had to say yes. And McVeigh is so good with it. I, I'm really proud of it. And uh, it's on the ringer and Spotify. So uh flying coach is the name of it. All right. Yeah. Let's um couple of things here that I got to discuss with you. Yeah. Cause you're the perfect person to discuss these things with. Let's go. Well, first let's do this. So we're headed into Memorial day weekend. Yeah. So, Let's do this. Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day. Power rank them in terms of the best to the worst. Let's start worst to best. Okay. Labor Day is the worst. Okay. Depression starts kicking in. Okay. And it's not the end of the summer. It's the start of the NFL season, which means my grind begins. (laughs) Everyone else looks forward to the NFL season. I love football. But after months off and months being with my family to then know that I'm hitting the road for the next six months, it it starts setting in. I'd like to say I appreciate Labor Day, and I know it's a nice end to the summer, but that depression does start to kick in a little bit for me. All right. Number two would be Memorial Day. I'm not quite in summer mode yet. Number one is July 4th. I've got a glistening tan. I'm eating hot dogs. It's usually a three-day weekend. It's an incredible peak of my off time. I'm saying July 4th might not only be my favorite of the summer holidays, it might be the best day of the entire year. And we get to celebrate our nation's wonderful independence. All right. That is the wrong answer. The correct answer would be one Memorial Day, starting the summer you got a couple of months of laziness going on. You shed the winter if needed. <laughs> the second answer is Labor Day, strictly because, like you said, it's the start of the NFL season. And third, and probably one of the worst holidays, is Fourth of July because of fucking fireworks, which I hate. So that's I, the hey, order. Hey, and, I, and and the heat can be oppressive, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, that too. But it's funny that you would hate Labor Day when, I mean, I see Labor Day and all I think about is the NFL and it's a beautiful feeling. Um, did you see last week on the Aaron Andrews, Carissa Thompson podcast, the story they told about Larry David getting in the elevator with Tom Brady? Incredible. Is that not just a phenomenal story that just makes you smile? So much so. And I love let me just tell, I'll tell people quickly if they missed it. It was at the Kentucky Derby a few years ago. Tom's in the elevator with a bunch of people. Larry walks in. And according to Chris Thompson, you have to watch her do it because she does the perfect Larry. Yes. Larry, they're in the elevator. Tom doesn't say a word. I mean, Larry doesn't say a word to Tom. And then Brady says, hi, Larry. And Larry turns around and goes, oh, hey, Tom. And then turns right back around and faces the elevator doors. I mean, come on. Is that beautiful or is that beautiful? It's tremendous. And the backstory that Carissa has told, I've heard that story from Carissa before, and she tells it amazing, yeah. is that, you know, Larry, of course, is a diehard Jets fan. So, like, there's so many things he could go down, and it just doesn't even give him the time of day. And right. it's so Larry David. Well, yeah. I know you've met him before, and you were at- No, I I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was what? Yeah. It was the Curb? I'm scarred. I'm scarred. It was, it was a Curb premiere that I got invited to. Because let me tell you something. I'll be honest. Before I ask you- they were filming in New York, it must have been a couple of years ago, and I walked by the set. And and you know in New York City when you see those big trucks and they're doing it, and you always kind of gooseneck. You want to see what you know what's going on, well, who's there. I mean, it was Curb Your Enthusiasm, my favorite show, and it's Larry David, one of my favorite people in the world. And I really felt compelled to like try to introduce myself and then obviously reality kicks in you're like he doesn't want to what are you talking about get out of here you're just another of the million new yorkers who want to meet larry david i don't know what i would even do for the icebreaker what would you even go with what did you go with well so see i think you can get away with that because he probably knows who you are because i'm sure he has seen good morning football and knows what good morning football is plus you're on the sidelines for fox so you can now the icebreaker is tough. I'd have right. to think about that for you. Like, I mean, listen, you cannot go up to Larry David and go big fan, love the show. That, that's there's, not, there's that's, nothing right now. I think you could now here's where you can give. here's an icebreaker where you can get away with it. Cause you're an NFL expert. You know, he has said famously many times that he thinks he could be the offensive coordinator yes. of the jets. So you can go up to him and be like, Larry, Peter Schrager, NFL network, good morning football. I'm just curious, you know, you got to play in mind. You'd run for like the first play of the game or something like that. Where I saw him, it's one of the biggest regrets of my life because I don't, I'm not big with like celebrity pictures and uh, I don't do all that. It's my, it's stomach inducing to me. Right. And I, you know, I've seen celebrities and I don't go up to them. I've, it's not my, but I got invited to the HBO premiere and what happened was they started, there was like a line of people who were there and he was doing pictures with everyone. So I'm like, okay. It's a little better than like if you just have like the one off where, but he could not have possibly looked more miserable. It was literally the last thing he wanted to be doing. And when you life. say pictures, it's like, it's a small crew of like media. Like who's it's the assholes like me, like people who got invited to the premiere and family yeah. friends of people maybe in the show and this and that HBO, a lot of, it was a ton of HBO people. Yep. Yeah. This is the um, publicist cousin and Larry, he's right. got a great story. He's going to pitch you this great story. It's, right. it's about what happened to him at the doctor's office. And, and there were and, celebrities there, like Aziz was there and uh, Lorraine Bracco was there. I got a picture with her that was decent. But the picture with Larry I have is just so bad. He, it's just, I don't even want to talk about it. I still have PTSD from it. I get chills. I, and yeah. I, okay, so 
I'm a huge, and I know I don't think you're necessarily as big into him. I'm a huge Sebastian Maniscalco fan. All right. Yep. Sebastian does Radio City, and he kills. It's so good. I took my wife. My wife took me. It was my birthday. We had such a good time. Just so happens there was a publicist there who knew my work and knew Sebastian. Hey, here. I see you in the crowd. Comes up to me during the like the intermission or whatever, and it's like, would you want to meet Sebastian afterwards? And I'm like. Yes. I mean, I did. Yes, of course. Come with me. So I go with this guy. I'm like, I'm going to meet Sebastian. And I don't even know what to say with him. We get up there. He doesn't know who I am. That's bad. Oh, that's bad. I got the cringe for you. And I'm not, I'm not, he's, he couldn't have been nicer. Right, right. But in this line of people, there's 10 other people who he doesn't know who they are. So he goes, Hey, nice to meet you. And I'm like, I don't know what I wanted from that moment, but I wanted more than that because I feel like yeah. I really would connect with him if I had a natural thing. So that whole right. meet and greet feel, like almost always say no. It's, it's gonna it, almost always say no. It was very, what you just said was exactly what, first of all, in my warped mind, I think I'm going to become friends with Larry. Of course, like, we're going to exchange numbers. He's going to come right. to New York. We're going to go out right. we're going to do bits. Yeah. Right. We're gonna, he's going to text me about Alex Rodriguez. You know, like I, that's what I think yes, is going to happen. Larry's going to be like, yeah. Jimmy, I, I heard the yeah. podcast with Andrew Marchand and I actually right. have a funny input. No, it's not happening. Right. It's not. In my head, it's all, I know exactly how it all plays out. Uh, one thing yeah. though that I thought was interesting because Jeff Garland's yeah. been doing media and I think yeah. he's tremendous on these podcasts. He was really good with Ryan Rosillo recently and like he doesn't take shit. He's good, Garland. Yeah. And he, yeah. he, they asked him if, maybe it was Kyle Brandt's podcast where I asked him like, oh my God, there's probably so much COVID like observational humor that you're going to weave into this thing. And Jeff Garland said in a new episode of Curb, new season of Curb, they acknowledge it maybe in the first episode and then it's done. It's gone right. for good because no one wants to relive it. Like even the funny jokes that might come of it, it's not funny. We're over it. We're all emotionally. I say I it. could not disagree more. I like, listen, I don't need like you a whole see season. COVID jokes. Like, I, oh, absolutely. Like, no, no, I want to see jokes about the masks. I want to see jokes about the supermarkets having one way aisles. I want to see jokes about the family member who thinks Bill Gates put a chip in you. I want to see joke. Like, that's what I want Larry to do. That's what I want. I don't want jokes about like, you know, um, you know, Larry thinking someone's vaccinated, finds out they're not vaccinated. (laughs) I'm already laughing. You're right. It's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. There's a way to do it. Um, You know, but um, so just to put a bow on it, though, you're not friends with Sebastian Maniscalco that never developed. I like that would be a guy I could see on Good Morning Football. Like he promotes. I think he his- was on one time afterwards. He's great. He's, he's yeah. hilarious. He's got a podcast with Pete Corielli that I listen to every week. Oh. They're great, but not friends. And I don't think we will be because he's an LA guy. I'm a New York guy. And I just, it didn't happen that moment. I was hoping it would. I have another take now to throw at you. Okay. Now we sort of have to live each, you and I both sort of have to live two separate lives in one way. We have like the stuff we have the, life that we lead where we need content. I need it for my column. You need it for good morning football. And then there's the real life. The content life is fine with this, but real life I've had enough. Now the offensive lineman chugging beer at various sporting. Wow. Events. That's a take. That's a take. We, okay. It's not, it's guess what? It's not original. It was original. And like Bakhtieri did it with Aaron. Mm-hmm. It, guess what? It's not original now. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's at an NBA game, at an NHL, the Jets, the the tight. It's done. We can move on. It's, it's a take. It's, it's not exciting anymore. Um, my counter to that. Yeah. We are so desperate 
to talk about anything. Well, you expect, yeah, because the NFL. On a three-hour football show where we're literally saying which third-year tight end is going to be the best third-year tight end, that if I can get Dan Feeney, the new offensive guard for the New York Jets, to be chugging a beer with that beautiful boy, Zach Wilson, then we're going to talk about it for three hours because it's something to talk about. It's personality. I'm here for it. It's always in the hockey playoffs, which is always in the dead of the NFL season. So the more the better. But so you're giving me the Peter Schrager good morning football host take. What okay. is the Peter Schrager off the air take? I like it. I like okay. it, dude. Okay. I like it. 14 months of, of us looking at cardboard cutouts. If you guys want to chug a, chug a tab soda, I'll, yeah. I'll watch it. As long as it's a real life human being. What is... What is the worst? Give me like the month or the time, the month and like the time, you know, first week, last week, middle. What is the worst time to be hosting Good Morning Football in terms of like the deadness of content in NFL news? Is it May now, July, June? When is the worst? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. We've got a great, great team of producers and a great, great fan base that watches this show because the stuff that we're talking about in June and July is not what got us Emmy nominated. It's not. And it's, it's amazing the work that we do. Because, Jimmy, we don't cut the show back to an hour. We don't cut the show back to two hours. Right. We go three hours yeah. on July 7th yeah. when not a single NFL person is anywhere near a facility. But we are doing that show. And I'm telling you, we had a segment today where it was really, it was, it was, who, when, okay, so here was the topic. Bram Stoker's Dracula came out 124 years ago to this day, all right? That's when Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, whatever it was. When you were a kid, what scared you the most? Eight minutes, go. That, that, wait, but does your answer have to be NFL related? No. Oh, okay. So that, that makes it a little better. Like, you don't have to be like, oh, I, I got scared watching. You so know, let me tell you. So Lawrence Taylor tried to sack the quarterback. You roll your eyes at that, but you're like, if you like our personalities and you like what we talk about and BS about, right. you'd much sooner rather watch that than watch another show try to gin up on anger about Paul George not being able to get it done in the big game. So we start going down this conversation and D'Angelo Hall, who is as cool a guy as there is, is like, I have a confession to make. I'm scared of clowns. I always have been. That's a thing with people. I always will be. They freak me out. And then it became like this four-minute conversation on a football show on the NFL Network about D'Angelo Hall's fear of clowns, its origins, and how we're going to get him through this and why we need to address this head-on. So it's, it's, it's a dead zone. I mean, literally, if any NFL player wants to put out an Instagram video, we'll find five minutes to talk about it. However, if you like our personality, this is kind of the best time of the year because our show is so loose and so right. wide open. And these are when we get those weird quirky moments and when Kyle Brandt does something that's really strange or when Kay will go on some rant that she doesn't like X, Y, and Z because of X, Y, and Z or when I can try to be myself and uh, bitch and moan about things all day long. So we're taping this on Wednesday um, and the news came out a little a little while before we started taping. So I would assume now your Thursday show will be very, very heavy on the golf match that's going to take place with Brady and Mickelson against Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. That was yes. announced right before and, we started. And not only will be one segment where it's probably a question, what's your dream? And what's your best golf outing? Golf what's your pairing, best golf, golf foursome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll then go into the next level and say, okay, if the Hall of Fame busts 
<laughs> we're split up right. into pairings, two on two. Which two Hall of Fame busts would you like to see go against each other? And then it's, all right, golf is one thing. If you can go mini golfing with a couple of drinks in you, who are you going with in that case? So, yes, we will do plenty with the golf topic. All right, so let's end it on this. If you had to play golf today with three people, who would you pick? NFL related? No. Any. Any anybody. All right. You say me and you know whoever. Okay. Number one, Paul Rudd, who has been a guest on our show and is the greatest storyteller in the history of stories. Paul Rudd once told me a story about playing poker with Al Pacino at a table at a secret poker match that he was attending. He also once told me a story about how his father was who's now no longer with us, but his father was a Titanic expert. And the only role he ever wanted was Titanic, the movie. And they gave it to DiCaprio. And then he and DiCaprio were together for Romeo and Juliet. And DiCaprio was talking about the movie and it was breaking Paul, stuff like that. Paul Rudd's got stories, dude. All right. Okay. So Paul Rudd's one. Larry David is two. You nailed it. I want Larry David. I want LD. We're going there. Number three is Adam Sandler, who I find to be one of the greatest human beings on the face of the earth. Give me Sandler, Rudd, and Larry David. I won't say a word. I'll just listen. <laughs> what do they say? What? Good... I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, yeah. I'll hang up and listen. That's a good... That's can I good ask you a question? question? Sure. You can ask me any questions you want. WFAN is near and dear to our hearts. I feel like they're having a bit of a resurgence now. People are talking about sports radio now that sports are back a little bit. Jerome from Manhattan, were you a fan or not a fan? Of How could calls? you not be a fan? I mean, that was pure entertainment. I remember, here's what I remember about Jerome from Do Manhattan. Do you want to tell the listeners who, what that means, Jerome from Manhattan? So Jerome from Manhattan was a regular caller at WFN, especially Mike and the Mad Dog. I, you know, I really only listened to Mike and the Mad Dog on a regular basis, but he called all the shows and every call was a complaint. And, you know, he was a little off. I don't think, I don't know if that's politically sure. correct to say that, but he had, probably had some issues. But every, I, I will never forget, the Yankees won the World Series and he called and complained about the, about the, about the roster for next season. He and wanted Mike Vanderwall. Will I, he wanted John Vanderwall. And Mike and the Mad Dog were just completely dumbfounded. I want was, Vanderwall. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into a whole thing because it leads off into a whole thing. Uh, it could go on for an hour, but like, you know, sports talk, I, I miss those days when it was important, you know, and it's not because of the internet and podcasts and this and that, but like, you know, you used to have to listen to sports talk one to get news and two, it was just a different, bro. The Knicks, the Knicks play a you know. playoff game tonight in 1995. If the Knicks had a playoff game, I could not wait to get home and put on the radio and catch right. the last two hours of right. Mike and the Mad Dog. Because now, if something ha- you know, after a Nick game, you want to see what the vibe is. You go on Twitter and you check. Then you had to listen to Sports Talk Radio. It was, you know, it was different. Can I ask you, you another one? Yeah, yeah, good. You said you're in on this mayor of East Town. I did. Don't spoil anything. No spoilers. Good, bad, you can miss it. Good. Good. Oh, it's, well, it, I wouldn't watch if it was bad. You stuck with it though. I mean, yeah, it was. It was. I thought it was good. They hook you in because there's a mystery. The acting is phenomenal. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, I hate her character, which I don't think you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to have sympathy for the character. I don't like the character at all. She's amazing. And they hooked me in with basically the, the, the mystery. Okay. 
All right. I haven't, I haven't yeah. dug in. Here's my take on all those types of shows. And there's about a million mysteries and crimes. Like it's been a dark 14 months, 15 months. I only want light in my life right now. If it's not reality, I don't need to watch a murder mystery show. So I'm sure Kate Winslet is great, but I'd much yeah. rather watch a comedy or find something that's even trying to attempt to be comedy. I also feel that's a problem. Movies? Are there any like fun movies coming out in the next forty years, or is everything going to be just well, you had, just sad? You had Borat, and you was it had, fun? I didn't see it. Was it? Fun? Oh, I thought it was. Oh, it's Borat. What do you mean? Is it fun? I know, but like, it's Borat. Is it fun? <laughs> it's, it's, the definition of fun is Borat. You know what was all right? I don't know if you like just flicked through on demand. There was something called Barb and Star go to like Vista Del Mar. I've seen commercials for it, but I've not watched <laughs> it. It is so out there, but it's Kristen Wiig. And it felt like a movie that would have been made 10 years ago where you're allowed to laugh again. Right. Like I, I don't, these movies that are out. I don't know who's watching these movies. I see commercials for. Yeah. See, I'm the movie. It's funny. You should bring this up. The movies thing is really weird to me because I, to me it, in my world, I don't feel like there's been movies for 15 months. Uh, exactly. Like I know there have been, but I'm not stupid, theater? but I don't feel like that. Like, I think I talked about this. I had, I had someone on the pod to talk. Oh, when I had Adnan Verkon to talk about the Oscars, cause he was a big, I, the, the only two movies I've seen in the last year were Borat and coming to America too, which okay. was God awful. And that's it. Like, I know a quiet place is going on right now. Like, but are like, you seeing a quiet place too? Like, I, it's you weird. You there are a lot find of, me. There's no chance I could see that movie right now. There are a lot of things I missed during the pandemic. I didn't miss going to the, like to me, like I'm vaccinated. Things are, you know, people are taking off the mask. I, I'm in no rush to go to a movie theater. I want to go to restaurants. I want to go to the beach. I want to go to concerts. But what if, maybe a bowl but what if I, the Apatow, movies is like not even on my list. What if Apatow and Rogan and Rudd and, and Jonah Hill came out with a comedy or what if we had a really funny, yeah, I mean, if there was, yeah, it, listen, if let's say Borat four came out tomorrow and it's not on Amazon and the only place you can watch is the theater, I'll be in the theater tomorrow. I, I'll take any comedy. That's like I, the coming to America thing. I didn't see it. That breaks my heart to hear. It's not good. Cause I would love nothing more than to enjoy a comedy. And oh, I, it was one of the biggest disappointments of my life that it was not good. Really? And Eddie's like, not even in it. He's in like half of it. Really? It's really about his son. So it's an really Arsenio Hall movie. No, his, it, it, it's about Eddie's son in the uh. movie. But you didn't see Borat? Not yet. Oh, my God. And now I know this week they just released a bunch of, like, deleted scenes that I've been meaning to check out and I haven't yet. Um, yeah, go watch Borat. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, like, I don't know. Like, to me, it just felt like movies stopped being made. And I know they were releasing things on, you know, streaming services. But, like, that's not. There's a buzz when you go to the movies for something, you know. Like, I mean, I remember the first time I saw, you know, Borat 1 or American Pie or Austin Powers or private parts like those were like events the theater was like juiced up for that like i i don't do we ever get that again i don't know i don't know jackass was hilarious when that came out all those movies you can go through the wedding crashers the old schools right. like, yeah 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 i don't think Super that bad. i don't think that genre of movie is either acceptable anymore in today's climate and that's b, a factor yeah. and b i don't I guess the I guess if it's not a superhero movie and it's not winning awards for its cinematography, it's just not being made. It breaks my heart. I used to love movies, right? And I don't watch superhero or any sci-fi movies, so that's why the movies have not been a thing for me over the last. Me neither. Months. You know, I, I yeah. work with Kyle Brandt, and bless his heart, he loves. He knows Marvel. like every movie. It's like he Rain loves, Man or something. But he loves it all. Like yeah. Marvel. Marvel could put anything on camera, and he's like, "It's pretty good, man." And I'm like, "I, I just I can't get into it all." I can't. Yeah. 
Me either. Me either. Um, all right. Well, this was fun. I appreciate you coming Flying on. Flying coach. It's a lot of this stuff. All right. Flying coach I on uh, Spotify. The second episode, we go into a story with Robert Sala about how he has to take his kids to Benihana consistently because he's got seven children. And when you have seven kids, like, where do you go out to dinner? Benihana. And then McVeigh goes in on how much he loves Benihana. And then we do 10 minutes on Benihana. It's that kind of stuff, dude. I don't like sitting with strangers. What any Memorial Day plans for the week? Like, is there like the the, do the Schrager family go to the beach? Do you tempt the beach? Because I know no. when you got how many you have many kids you have one or two one one, one. okay because once you get to the two kids the beach with the carrying the stuff you no, might as well no, just no. throw yourself in front of a bus at that point. None of that, bro. Maybe we'll ride no. a bike or two, or we'll try to get outside. But uh, I'm gonna be watching the Knicks. I like this. This is fun for me. I, yeah, I'm gonna try to go to the game. We're recording this on Wednesday. I'm gonna go tonight. I got it. A friend nice. who's got tickets. So I just want to be inside. It's my first inside sports event. And I got to tell you, Jimmy, I was scared. I was a little nervous throughout the football season that I was going to be told that I need to do X. I went to the NFL draft, 50,000 fans. I'm double well, you vaccinated. You can get vaccinated and you can do whatever you want, basically. I cannot wait. I might yeah. go. I might, I might like, I don't know. I might like lick the uh, floor of Madison Square Garden tonight. I'm that excited. Let's start with just like getting in the building and, <laughs> you know. But do you you have do you have to show the vaccine card? I, I think assume? so. I'm getting guidance on that. I got to show them. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I've been vaccinated now. I guess two months. You I'm amazed. Have to show I anywhere? Right? I haven't. No, I'm amazed. I haven't lost the card yet. That's what I'm waiting. Have for. you? I haven't taken it out of my drawer. It's the first time, and I'm nervous. I'm going to lose it. You know, there's a app you can download and put it on the app, and then you just show the phone. I'll text you about it. Oh, after, please do. People, okay, yeah, cool. I will. Cool. All right. Thanks, Shregs. Good luck with the pod, and good morning, football, and uh, go next. You're the best. All right. Take it easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, joining me now from Golf Digest, he covers all things Tiger and the golf world, Daniel Rappaport. Dan, how's it going? Jimmy, it's nice to see you. This is so weird because we're really, really good friends in real life, so I don't know how we're going to do this, but we've got to try to be professional. Three reallys. I think that was only two reallys. We're really, really, really yeah. good friends. And we have been for, what, four years now since yeah. I started at Sports Illustrated? Dan- I used to work. We used to work Dan- together. Daniel Rappaport used to work at SI. Now he's at Golf Digest. And I, I said that you cover all things Tiger. Tell, tell people exactly what your job is and how it ties in with Tiger Woods. So I like to tell people that I kind of have, have two sort of separate jobs within one job. The first one, the one I was kind of hired to do was, was the Tiger job you were mentioning. So this uh, Golf Digest is owned by Discovery, like Discovery Network. They own all the TV networks, HGTV. Like, Food I Network. Think they own, I think they own HGTV. I don't know. But yeah. that sort of genre. Um, and Discovery has a content deal with Tiger Woods. Um, it's kind of a thing that's actually been been around for a while in the golf space like golf digest and golf magazine have been these kind of two magazines and they've historically throughout the years they've each had deals with players so one of them had a deal with jack nicholas the other with arnold palmer and basically those deals mean that they get exclusive access to instruction content so tiger telling you you know here's how to hit the flop shot or here's how to hit a draw or a fade um, as well as just um, video content and and written content and I was hired to kind of liaise between Golf Digest and the Tiger Camp. So uh, any anything that's Tiger related that's in Golf Digest on any of our platforms, so, you know, social, digital, print, um, I handle. And then I also traveled all of his tournaments, basically cover his career, write all the, write about him. Kind of if you think of like, you know, Brian Windhorst has kind of followed LeBron around. That's kind right. of what I've been doing for the past couple of years. So Tiger. You, and the other the other half is I just cover cover golf. I right. just write about golf. I cover other players, courses, um, human interest stories. Just kind of a general golf journalist. But the Tiger thing is kind of my niche. All right. Well, I want to I want to talk about the Kepka Deschamps thing. But just so one thing on Tiger. So like when Tiger has the car accident a couple of months ago, obviously the first concern is for Tiger's well being. But mm-hmm. as for job purposes, are you like, oh shit, if he doesn't play for a while, I don't have much to do or like that that wasn't a concern because you have to cover golf overall in general but like what was the tiger you know besides obviously hoping he's okay what was that experience like for you as like the tiger whisperer it was very strange because i was actually there um at the uh, at the shoot that he was driving to that day um in california so i didn't really have time initially to think about my job because it was just first it was what the hell is going on second it was you know i had a million tv and radio things to do so it was just kind of a hectic time but um yeah there's definitely obviously a little bit of worry initially like you know if i'm the tiger guy and tiger's on a couch for the next year you know what's that going to look like but my, my bosses have been great about you know slowly kind of having me expand and do more and more things that aren't just tiger related so that has just become a bigger piece of the pie um recently 
And look, there's still there's still Tiger news, you know, like even if he's not playing, there's still stuff on the recovery and when he might return. Obviously, it's less. Um, but I think I've been to like seven PJ Tour events this year, and I think he's played in like one or two. No, zero. He's played in zero. So I've been to seven this year and he's played in zero. So I've, I've been well, doing quite a bit of just non-Tiger stuff. Where do we stand with Tiger? Is there any like... Do we know he will definitely play again? Is there a target date? Do we not know what's like where? Yeah, we I think I think there's just not a lot of news. Unfortunately, I think the nature of his indi- of his injury is just it's going to take a long time um, before we have any idea what kind of recovery he can make. That that seems to be the kind of the latest update. I think they're trying not to um, give anything concrete because they just don't know, and you don't want to promise anything and then have it not come to fruition. So I think it's just wait and see, unfortunately. I mean, he's, he's lucky to be alive. Right? When, when, so. when you started this job, obviously, listen, you start, you, I know you are golf is your life. Basically. It's a passion of yours. You play it. Now you're working in it. Everyone knows what Tiger Woods is. You know, you, some people want to say biggest athlete of all time, top five, top 10, whatever it is. When you started this job, were you even taken aback when you saw like what the tiger frenzy is like when there's, when he's playing in a tournament or was it what you expected? It was a little bit what I expected because I, I had been covering golf for a couple of years, so I'd seen it, but, um, it, you know, sort of less so the frenzy around him and, and in the sense of, I, you know, I know that when, when fans, you know, he's walking through a golf tournament, fans are going to be losing their mind. It's more like when you see him walk into a room, and every single eye, no matter, these aren't fans, you know, whether it's other PJ tour players, whether it's sponsors, executives, you know, big CEOs, he's the kind of guy when he walks into a room, everybody looks at him. He has that magnetic quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first week I, I took this job, uh, I flew to Japan and he, he played a tournament in Japan. He actually ended up winning the tournament. Um, my first, my first day on the job was he was doing a media tour throughout Japan. So driving from places to place in Tokyo and, and these, doing these appearances. And that was, that was more than I had ever seen um, in terms of just the impact that one person can have on a, on thousands of people. He is, he's one of those people who, when he, when it, wherever he walks, all eyes are on him and he knows that. And it's a fascinating dynamic and they look into a, a human being who is dealing with something every single day that none of us could really ever imagine. There's only five or six people, maybe 10 people in the world who have that sort of universal appeal, but it's tough. He can't, he can't go to dinner. You know, he can't go get a coffee. Every single move that he makes has to be calculated. Who am I going to see? You know, are there going to be cameras there? Um, So it's, it's a, it's a very, you know, fraught existence. Yeah. And you guys, he's cool with you. Everything is good there. He, he uh, he's not annoyed by you, like being the tiger whisperer. It's funny. The first, uh, the first interaction I had with him, like real interaction, was in Japan, and um, he he knew that they were going to hire someone to kind of take my role. And I go up and I, you know, I'm very nervous. And and someone says, "Hey, tiger, you know, this is Dan. This is the guy who's going to." Actually, I don't know if I've told the story. This is the guy who's going to be. Uh, following you and he goes oh so you're the one who's going to be way up my ass huh and i go i promise to be the uh the appropriate amount up your ass and we got a a good laugh out of that one but no he's been cool to me look i'm kind of a believer that to a certain extent you can only judge people by how they treat you Mm -hmm. and 
I've heard all these horror stories from journalists, older journalists who say how, how miserable he was in the past, but I've only really known Tiger, you know, kind of post scandal right. and post back injury. So he's been a different person. He's been gentle and kind. Um, so yeah, it's been all good on that, on that front. All right, that's all good stuff on Tiger. Let's switch gears now. Now you know I'm not I'm not really a big golf guy, um, but the Brooks Kepka Bryson DeChambeau thing. I mean, that's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in sports history. Yeah. I said like it's only May, but it's going to be hard to top like best live TV moment. But then I get, but I should be. So that wasn't a live TV moment, right? That was oh yeah. Give it. Give me yeah, a little so- like yeah. Go ahead. So from what I heard, it was, you know, Golf Channel, obviously that was that was not supposed to air. That was, they, they that- do these, at, at tournaments, they do these taped hits where they interview a, a player and they put it as part of a package and they run it, you know, and they're live from the PGA Championship show at 8 or 9 p.m. So it's not live. So that was not supposed to see the light of day. Obviously, there was some production assistant or someone working in the 10 or the, you know, the TV compound who saw that and and chose chaos? He chose. They chose to release it. I think he. Someone probably sent it to their friend and said, "Hey, I can't put this out there, but this is an incredible video." Do we know who? Like, where, did it, it where did it first appear? Do we know where it first appeared? Twitter. I, I, no, no, I know, but like, whose account or like? I think the one I saw was R, This guy R J Winfield with eight hundred something followers. I mean, it, it was not like a verified Twitter account, which is why I think someone who works for Golf Channel probably right. sent it to one of their friends and said. You know, I can't post this, but so nobody knows you how can. This, nobody knows yet you, how RJ got it. Exactly, but if you watch the video at the end, Todd Lewis, who's the the Golf Channel announcer, he's like, "We won't let that air." Brooks is like, "I honestly wouldn't care." So I, 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 I don't think he's super upset about it because he's that's this is his brand, right? He's right. the alpha. He's the tough guy. He wants to be viewed as the guy who stuffs guys in lockers. You but know the other, I mean? so but isn't the other guy like a workout fiend? Yeah, he's a work. He's a workout right. fiend. But so that's, that's recent. Um, right, but I'm saying, in terms of like, they both seem like tough guys. But it's interesting to me because I would think Golf Channel wants to track down who leaked that video. Number one, number two, yes. I mean, the again, I'm not a huge golf guy, but I do follow Kepka a little bit just because of the personality, and he'll he'll make his way into my column, and he does seem like the type that does not care that that got out. And he I, here's what he's doing that interview. Now, he knows it's not live, but he's got a live mic there, so that tells me he doesn't totally care that it got out there. Now, here's 100%, my question. 100%. Right. 100%. That's his, that's his brand. And, and and him and Bryson go go back. They have a history. I don't know if you know. Like right. they've, This has been well, a thing for a couple of years. Well, here's what I want to ask you. I don't know if you can answer this. If you if you don't want to, you don't have to. But are you like Team Brooks or Team Bryson, or, or you can't do that? Like, who, like, who's the asshole here? Who's not the asshole? Are they both assholes? Are neither an asshole? Like, what's... What do we got here? Um, I th- would gravitate a little bit more toward Team Brooks. I'm not fully one side or the other. Um, I think there there is a a lot of people on tour who share Brooks's feelings about Bryson, um, kind of rolling their eyes at all of his chatter about. So wait, Bryson. two questions in the golf world. If you take the golf community yeah. fan fans, what yeah. percentage w- would you say is Team Brooks and which is Team Bryson? It's close. It's oh, it actually close. close. No, it's, okay. it's actually close because a lot of people would say, um, you know, kind of what I was, was I was just hinting at was like, you know, Bryson's always complaining and um, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of irk golf fans. He plays really slowly. He's actually kind of sped it up. That was the, that was the initial thing that 
Brooks was really annoyed with was how slow Bryson plays. Um, and then there, but then there's other guys who, who think like, you know, Bryson is, is, is just kind of doing his own thing. And, and he seems to be, you know, the cliche kind of living rent free in Brooks's head, you know, like he's not really doing all that much. And, and it's obviously really bothering Brooks. I mean, if you watch that video, Brooks is like legitimately upset. He's like, Oh. He's distraught. He's like he doesn't want to see that guy's face. It's tremendous. He doesn't want to see that guy's face. Yeah. See, just my favorite part of the clip. Him. Do you have my favorite part of the clip is when he just after the guy walks by and he, and he just he gives that like he's like fuck Christ like that <laughs> yeah. is the best part like that shows that's legit that is not made up and like for yeah. TV for no show. and you can see it you can see it in the beginning like before Todd Lewis even starts talking he's like kind of looking at Bryson you can see it in the corner of his eye and he's like his eyes are already rolled it's like god this guy is just really on my but, nerves um, so it's but when I asked you about the breakdown you said it's close but you're telling me that a lot of people have some issues with DeChambeau and do people not have issues with Kepka? People do have issues with Kepka for sure. Okay. I mean, I think okay. Brooks takes a, a sort of non-golfer's mentality into golf in the sense of, I don't know if you remember last year um, at the PGA Championship, actually, so the same tournament, um, he was a couple behind going into the last round. He was a couple behind Dustin Johnson. And Brooks and Dustin Johnson were thought to be really close friends. They were on the cover of Golf Magazine together. They work out together. Um, and, and they asked Brooks, you know, what do you think about your chances tomorrow? And he basically said, look, like when I've been in contention, I've closed it out. I've won four of these things. DJ's only won one. He's had a lot of chances. You know, I like my chances, which in the grand scheme of sports is not that spicy of a statement. But right. in golf, that's that's big. <clears throat> that's a big thing because in golf, everyone is used to. <clears throat> sorry, it's always he's a great player. You know, I hope to play well, but he's obviously a great player. And, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a tough battle out there. Just very vanilla answers where everyone gives everyone else a lot of credit. There's this sort of boys club atmosphere of like, we're not going to talk shit about anybody. He's willing to break down that barrier. Right. Like, I'm going to beat this guy. He's a choke, basically. I, I'm, you know, I'm a closer, and that was a big deal. And then he played terrible the next day. Brooks did. He shot like four over seventy six. He felt he finished like thirtieth. And people dunked on Brooks relentlessly. They were like, "You're going to come out here. You're going to talk trash. You can't back it up." So I think a lot of people um, don't don't like the way Brooks talks about other golfers, and he he, he sort of has this attitude like, "I'm too cool for golf." You know, like he, his whole thing is I should have been a baseball player. Well, buddy, you know, golf is the reason that you have, you know, $50 million and, you know, super hot girlfriend and a mansion or whatever it is. But he sort of has this attitude, like I'm too cool for golf. Golf is a, is, is for losers. Right. And so right. I think a lot of like golf purists are like, you know, this guy is, is kind of like a fake tough guy, but I, I, you know, I actually think it's genuine. I don't think it's fake. I just think that it makes people uncomfortable and that's that because it's different. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't want someone to just, you know, be a dick to be a dick, but I appreciate if someone's real and not phony, and this guy seems real, so obviously that's good for what I do, even what you do, so I like the fact that he's, And this you know, is great, you know, the fact that we're even talking yeah. about this, the fact that you asked me to come on this means that people are talking about golf, and like... I'm telling you, know, you that clip is one of the greatest like, clips I've ever seen. Whether you like Bryson or, or Brooks or not, you know, like, we need personalities in this game, like, so, right. so, so many guys have just zero crossover appeal. So, you know, but, to guys like you who don't really watch golf, you don't give right. a crap about Justin Thomas. I or, watched that clip 50 times. Now, you know, Patrick Cantlay, but this this is something that we're talking about. Yeah. Now, besides the playing slow, what is the other beef that people have with DeChambeau? Like, do they not like that? He's a, he's a workout fiend, right? Isn't that what his whole so thing is? He's a workout fiend. That's kind of recent. It's more that like going back many, many years, he's always been, he was a physics major at SMU. He's very into the science. So he's got... All of his clubs, all of his irons are the same length, 
which is like that's never really been done before. He um, he's, he he tinkers with equipment. He's always talking about you know different science uh, concepts, different physics concepts. You know the gear effect, the coefficient of restitution, and all these things that people are like, what the hell is he even talking about? Um, and so he, he was talking last week about you know seeing UFOs and talking about how he's so interested in consciousness. You know, he's just kind of one of these. But different that's good thinkers. for the game too. Yeah, I think so too. Like I think so too. You know, I, I love the fact that he's in the game, but he, he has a lot of things. He wears that kind of goofy hat. Um, he puts like with his arms super straight. He just does things differently. He um, has, he, has he ever won a major? Yeah, he won the U.S. Open at Wingfoot last okay. year. And actually, right. that's so not he's not just reason. like a so he so he's got something to back up all of the oh a hundred percent he's won eight word. tournaments he's one of the best right, young right. players in the world but though also the way he won that U.S. Open you know you're supposed to win a U.S. Open by hitting it really straight you know onto the fairway onto the green he basically just hit it as far as he freaking could and figured it out after that and the golf purists were like this is an abomination you know we need to people were saying they need to actually roll back the golf ball make the golf ball go less far so he couldn't right, do this. Right. So there's a lot of people who think that he's kind of violating the the, the spirit uh, of the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about the golf purists in terms of the fans. Um, is well, one a lot of pop- a lot of fans a lot of fans are golf purists. Just the right. just the nature of people who like golf. But I mean, I think there's yeah, there's a lot of people who think that he's just kind of you know chatting shit all the time and like right. it's just you know he, he's one of these guys who kind of thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. That's what the guys who don't like him would say. But it also seems so. But that's also how you describe Kepka. So is there a lot of like they're similar and that's why they've got some beef as well? There's yeah, they're similar in the sense of they're both different. But Brooks is a jock and Bryson is a nerd. That's so in the weird. in the in the way that they're that's it, not it, nice. It, just, well, I just sort of caricaturized them. I'm not He's a nerd, that, but meanwhile, he won a major and he won eight tournaments. So, like, what you know? Uh, obviously, it's ner- not. I don't. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the same world I have. But nerds have a lot of success. Ner- nerds are <laughs> nerds are great sometimes. I don't. But think the word is a, still it has a negative, you know, connotation uh, to it. He's. Um, I mean, he's, but I don't like I don't, the don't, jock he, is a compliment is because you know. I just think if you were to put, to put them into sort of like the the high school superlatives, right. Brooks right, right. would be. You know, the jock and Bryson would be like nerd. the tinkerer nerd who's always thinking about stuff, but but then also has this workout aspect to it. So he's he's a bit of an enigma. Now, do you, do you think this continues now? Like what? Like you know, I mean, that was this pretty. Is, I mean, that is, was that was pretty rough by Kepka. It was pretty rough. This is the the part that always gets me, and everyone's like, oh, you know, and with the U.S. Opens coming up in a couple of weeks, everyone's like, oh, you know, you need to to pair them together at the U S open. And I'm thinking to myself, do you think that these guys would do anything other than shake each other's hand, say good luck and be I don't polite know. the whole day? Well, here's no the thing. Chance. I will, no I will chance. lose a lot. I will lose a lot of respect for Brooks Kepka If he just goes up to that guy and shakes his hand after what he did in that interview. I mean, he was so flat out disgusted by him. I can't that. And then if you're going to walk up and shake his hand, that's, that's being a phony. I'm sorry. I, we'll see. I have a lot of All doubts. Right. This is not the first time that golfers have had beef. Right. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, there was this thing about Patrick Reed was talking trash about all his Ryder Cup teammates. Do you remember this? Right. And he was saying like, oh, I don't know why these guys, you know, after they lost, he was like, I don't know why Jordan Spieth doesn't want to play with me. You know, I don't know if he doesn't like me or whatever it is. And they were, you know, they were beefing, or at least in the golf world. And they got to, they were paired together like two weeks later and they shook hands in first game. And it was like nothing happened. So this is still golf we're talking about. You know, I don't think we're right. going to see a, a Tom Wilson situation where they just go after each other from the first oh, whistle. That would um, be but, you know, Brooks might not, might not shake his hand. I think that's about as far as it would go. But I, I, I don't think that, you know, you can expect to see any sort of any hands thrown or anything like yeah. that. All right. Um, 
I got two more minutes here. I don't. I was going to ask you about Phil, but I'd rather forget that. Let's let me ask you something. Phil, are you watching Mayor of Easttown? No, I don't even know what that is. It's on HBO. What it, you got to watch? It's good. But the last episode is this Sunday, so you got you you, you and your girlfriend would enjoy watching. What is it? It's on HBO. There's been six episodes. There's seven total. Last one is this Sunday. It's a murder mystery drama thriller. Sounds sounds like right up my alley. I watched three episodes Monday, three episodes Tuesday, and I'm all cut up. It's interesting. So seven is the last one? Yeah. So you guys can do like two a day. You can get through it if you, there if you, you need something new to watch. All right. That sounds good to me. I appreciate the rec. Um, that was, well, I thought, I no thought Phil, sure. none at all. The guy, the guy becomes the oldest major champion yeah. in history, and we're like, you know. No, I mean, that's, that's a great story, and he's a popular guy, and he got a good rating. Uh, you know, people came to the TV sets to see it. and um, I saw that. It did, it did better than any yeah. of the NBA games, right? Yeah, that's not surprising, though. I mean, we're in the first round of the NBA playoffs, and there's games, you know, like all day on – you know, it's, hey, look, it's a little bit – it's a weird comparison. We, but that, well, but any, Anytime we can beat basketball in anything, we'll take it. Well, but no, but the comparison is it did better than, you know, 2019. The everything, whatever sport it is, you throw out 2020 because that wasn't a real year for any sport. But you go back to 2019 and it was up big over 2019. So Yeah, but um, they, they left out 2018 when Tiger almost won it and Brooks beat him. And I'm sure that did bigger Let numbers. me Let me end with this, actually. Is, now that I'm thinking, what's the situation with fans at tournaments? It's outside. I would assume everything should be back to normal with golf, right? Or is we not there yet? <laughs> Not there yet, unfortunately. That's um, crazy. There were a, there were a lot of fans. There were a lot of fans. You saw them all swarm. Phil. Yeah. They, the, the funny thing, the kind of the biggest open secret about golf is they say, "Oh, there's only going to be ten thousand fans at the tournament." Okay, pal. Maybe ten thousand general admission fans, but then you've got sponsors, then you've got right. corporate guests, then you've got right. sort of probably closer to fifteen. But no, they're still they're still limiting it. I mean, it's slowly creeping back to normal. But it yeah. being outside, I think it's one of the sports where um, you know you, you kind of cringe the least when you see I mean, a if they could put 15,000 people in Madison Square Garden you could put 15,000 people outside at a golf tournament it makes no sense I completely yeah. agree but it's not All my right. choice well I appreciate you coming on this was bizarre but fun and uh, yeah it was good I'm, I'm really uh, I, I want more Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau drama I'm, I'm on top of this now I would love to see it as well I need it alright take it easy I'll talk to you later alright see ya alright bye <laughs> All right, that wraps it up for this week's episode. My thanks to my friends there, Peter Schrager and Daniel Rappaport. Enjoyed speaking to both of them. Good stuff from each of them, too. On uh, Schrager was great on the Rogers stuff. Daniel was great breaking down Kepka versus DeChambeau. If you missed last week's show, Andrew Marchand and Bill Carter were the guests. Two weeks ago, Rich Eisen and Alan Sepulveda. Three weeks ago, Ryan Rossillo and Brian Baumgartner. Subscribe to the SI Media Podcast. If you like the episodes, rate and review as well. Helps tremendously. All right, appreciate it. Have a uh, fun Memorial Day weekend. Be safe, and we'll see you next week. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.